Hello and welcome to the final in our season preview uh, podcasts around the region, which we're packing two in one today, and um, for reasons I'll shortly explain. And today we're doing Montenegro and uh, also Kosovo. And uh, the reason we're doing that is because the Montenegro profile is a bit late. Sorry. Um, See, the league itself started on the 15th of August, and I'm recording this on the 26th of August. Um, so just sort of explain why I'm doing the season preview podcast two weeks <laughs> into the season. Uh, it's quite simply, um, for those who don't know, I work in uh, the education sector in the UK. Uh, and if you've seen any of the news that's been going around the education sector in the UK these past couple of weeks, we've had a, uh, a totally normal one, uh, as they say, um, obviously with a lot of uh, governmental changes and things like that, and it's been a bit hectic. So unfortunately, uh, I had to put the uh, Montenegro First League on the back burner. Um, so my apologies to any uh, listeners who were particularly looking forward to that. Uh, but I have now been able to find a bit of time to actually write and record. So, with Montenegro, we have just the three questions that we're going to ask. Uh, obviously, um, as we're packing two in to one, this is a slightly um, shorter preview than we've done for the uh, previous leagues. Um, so, our first question is quite simply Are Burgnost closer to the pack than you'd think? So last season, uh, Burgos Podorica won the title by 18 points. And to be honest, the destination of the title was rarely in doubt at any point. This season already, they started to a shock defeat on the opening day by promoted Dicic. Uh, and then in the second game week, were able to defeat Suchesca 1-0 in the Chinogoshki derby. Uh, so Chesk themselves were second last season, and their start of the season has been worse than Budajnost's, uh, with them only getting a point so far on the opening day against Petrovac. Uh, and they've been looking very defensively weak uh, throughout the season so far. Budajnost do come in to the season a bit weaker than last year, having sold uh, defender Stefan Milic to Dinamo Zagreb. However, an 18-point gap is a very big gap, and it's quite hard to make a compelling case against them, uh, barring the fact, there's something we'll get onto a little bit later in the episode, uh, that there are a, lots of teams with lots of young talent, and it is not beyond the realms of possibility that a side can just hit on a hot streak and a bit of a magic formula, courtesy of players developing quickly as the season goes on. Our second question is simply around the other end of the table, who will be favourites for relegation. Uh, and it's a bit of a cheat, this one, uh, again, as we're two games into the season. Uh, but certainly favourites for relegation will be OFK Titograd. Uh, so far, they've had two convincing defeats. Um, last time out with a 3-1 uh, loss against Rudar. Um, with the Rudar uh, goals all coming from 18-year-old striker on debut, Vuk Strykovic, uh, who definitely, given he is a striker, Vuk Strykovic isn't one of my new favourite player names. Um, but Tidgrad were 8th last season, 
Um, and it's pretty hard to make an argument against them being in that sort of status uh, again this year, particularly because the promoted sides in Detrich and Yezero seem to have started the season well. Detrich are you know, experienced names in the top flight, uh, while Yezero are newbies, but uh, you know, they've still performed decent so far. Uh, between the two relegated sides, you, know, you would think that that uh, experience gap in knowledge at this level uh, is possibly going to be a deciding factor come the end of the season. So our third and final query on the league is sort of based on what we touched on earlier, mentioning that it's very possible for a side to sort of come on a hot streak. It's can a side do that and break out of mid-table? And you know, when you look at the profiles of the teams in the league, there's a lot of young players, a lot of very talented young players. Um, I myself have been watching quite a lot um, through Scout um, of the teams uh, this season and, you know, of some of the young talent that's coming through that, you know, sort of with a view to um, recommending them to people. Um, Zeta, uh, who did manage to get into Europe last season, uh, so you have three talents there, uh, all by the name of Lambulic, uh, and they do definitely have a chance of, all three of them, of making it at a higher level than uh, the Montenegrin uh, top flight. Uh, and the Europa League form that they showed, uh, you know, even though it was only against, you know, uh, Engadani of uh, Andorra, it was a relatively convincing win. And while their form so far in the league has only garnered them one point from the two games, you would certainly expect that they're going to be able to pick that up and, uh, and at the very least resume their sort of normal place in the upper echelons of the league. You know, as many people will know, Zeta for a, a long time at the start of the Montenegro era um, were, you know, very much a, a dominant side and very much a side that brought through a lot of youth uh, and had a very highly regarded youth academy. And it does look so that's at the start of this decade starting to produce for them again. Uh, when you compare them to the other side who got into Europe last season, Iskra, um, you know, you're basing it on Europa League form, uh, and their Europa League form offered less in the way of um, positivity than Zeta's did. But you know, they've got four points so far, and Zeta ha only have one. So, you know, Iskra are obviously still going to be a competitive team. Um, I will mention uh, also Petrovac. Um, obviously, we've already mentioned that they were able to get themselves a point in a three-all draw, a wild three-all draw against Sucheska in the uh, first in the opening day of the season. Um, they do have uh, one of my favoured players in the league, uh, Andrija Rasnatovic, uh, who is down as a left back, but sort of seems to be a bit wandering. But his production is elite um, from what he's shown so far. Uh, that is um, so someone there to watch. And 
and you know a reason to give Petrovac a, a bit of hope there. Uh, but top of the table so far, uh, surprisingly, are FK Pogoricha. Um They've started the season very strongly. They were promoted to the uh, top flight last season, and you know it took them a little bit of time to settle. But prior to COVID, you know when things were uh, in normality. Uh, they came into things more as the season went on. And while their post-lockdown form uh, of last season wasn't super, super impressive, uh, getting back into the scheme of things, having a sort of shorter break between seasons, um, they seem to be carrying momentum into this year. And if they're able to continue their positive start to the season, there's absolutely no reason why they wouldn't be able to push towards a, a European spot for next season. The one thing that we'll also just know, and this is sort of a side way, but we'll mention quite a bit more when we get into uh, Kosovo, because we do have a whole section on that, is related to uh, Europe. Now, when uh, it comes to sort of the European rankings, as you, you well know, the top 50 sides um, get uh, the four minimum places. However, the uh, bottom five sides in Europe, which at the minute uh, for the seasons we'll see Andorra, San Marino, Northern Ireland, Kosovo, and I think Armenia, only get the three. Now, as the coefficients actually are working out so far, Montenegro are in danger of slipping should they not be able to get more uh, coefficient points from this season. So it is going to be something that's going to be very important for them to be able to uh, carry on having ambitions beyond the season, you know, uh, beyond this season, really. Uh, you know, obviously the last thing you want to be doing is going into next season. And there's only going to be three spots on offer but as things stand based on the coefficient table they are in that 51st place so they do need to be able to earn something else to be able to keep that uh, fourth european spot when we go slightly to the east and we go to kosovo um, and we'll start off continuing that conversation because <laughs> the i had two questions only for Kosovo that we're going to discuss. The second of which I've written down was, ahead of the introduction of the Europa Conference League, will this season be the one where Kosovo breaks up the UEFA rankings? Now, if you've been paying attention to Kosovo's eyes in Europe so far this season, um, we have Drita, who were in the uh, preliminary round of the uh, European Cup, and they uh, were able to win their first tie. And then the second game against Linfield was cancelled due to uh, coronavirus, as we mentioned uh, in the uh, previous, at the start of the previous uh, preview episode. Um, worst was to happen for Pristina, who were in situ in Gibraltar, awaiting their uh, game against Lincoln Olympus and they had positive cases they were able to cobble together some short-term loans to try to be able to actually put a team out but you know, 
coronavirus prevented it with further positive cases and they've been expelled from Europe without even playing a single minute of football. Only Gilani have been able to go on as normal so far. Uh, they won their uh, preliminary round tie and face uh, Apoel uh, of Cyprus in their Europa League first qualifying round game. Um, they were impressed enough in defeating Trepene of San Marino uh, with a couple of you know, really nice goals in there. But again, you know, you'd expect Kosovo sides to be defeating San Marino sides. Um, there's not that much you can really take from it, um, save that they've done the bare minimum. They are hosts of the tie against Apoel, and you know, certainly we wish them the very best of luck. Um, it is a difficult um, looking draw, given the um, given what we all know about Cypriot sides and their you know, comparative. Uh, wealth compared to those in in Kosovo, you know, in the day, Apoel are the most successful team in Cyprus, and they are that for for good reason. Um, few are going to deny that Kosovo clubs are quite a bit better than those in some of the nations that they've been summing it with in European qualifying. You know, there's absolutely no doubt they're better than any side in Andorra or San Marino or uh, whatever micro state you want to put forward. Uh, it's obviously they are in that company because of the very nature of their new entry into European football. Um, and bit by bit, they will certainly be getting themselves a coefficient that will bring them into that top 50 side sooner or later. But this season, they're very much looking for favours for it to come in uh, based on this season's results. They need either Gilani to string a couple of wins together, um, which you know, will be it's difficult against Apoel, but you know, not, not impossible. Uh, if not, they're going to sit on the bubble very much as Montenegro are right now as to whether they're going to be able to uh, stay out of that top 50. Stay, into, stay in the top 50 or not. Um, as I look at it, when you're looking at the coefficients right now, they're on, uh, they're currently sit 46, but obviously bear in mind, you know, they've got two qualifying victories so far. Um, and their total is five points. You know, you have a whole host of sides all the way down to 51st, which are between four and five points. So, with how the coefficients work, they do definitely need a couple of favours from, you know, be it Montenegro clubs you losing their games, and similar favours coming from uh, Iceland and uh, Iceland, Estonia, and yeah, potentially and the Faroes as well, to basically just to keep as many teams below them as they can. It's not impossible for them this to be the season where they break out and, you know, going into the Conference League, uh, that's going to be a really big thing um, because you will have a far higher probability of being able to get into group football and have that European football till Christmas. Um, inevitably, more places will come to them. Um, and that's, you know, purely because they still have two seasons of zero on the record 
because of their entry into European football. And they will, you know, likely end up, you know, somewhere around, you know, potentially Albania, um, potentially you know, Albania or League of Ireland around about six points. And at that point, then, you know, you're fairly comfortably out of the reckoning um, for losing your European spots. But enough about European competition. Um, I mean, I'm sure UEFA didn't do that much to mention the qualifying rounds while the Champions League uh, later rounds were still going on. Um, so we'll talk about Kosovo and domestic football. Um, and our one and only question around this is, is there such a thing as a big four? So when it comes to the domestic season, the first thing to mention is that um, it's not back for a couple of weeks yet. Um Definitely not until obviously after the international break, but the actual confirmed date isn't yet set in stone. Um, the league itself is also changing format uh, from 12 sides last season to 10. Uh, so there were four teams relegated last year uh, with two coming up. But you know, the reason we ask the question of is there such a thing as a big four is because the league itself is relatively well delineated um in terms of how it's divided um it was distinctly three groups uh, the top four of drita gilani balkani and pristina uh then in behind them foronikeli Klapi, trepcha Drenica, and the re- now relegated flamutari and then there was a very large gap to the other relegated sides and you, you're talking that that top four was separated uh, only by six points, um, from 68 points uh, from Dusan Gilani to uh, Prishna on 62. Uh, the Kelly were 15 points back, and again, those sort of five clubs were separated only by about five or six points, uh, with the rest well well back. Um, of the teams coming up, uh, Besapé are breakers at this level. Obviously they won the cup a few years ago. Um, Aberia are uh, complete newbies. Um, it's difficult, unlike you know, when we've talked about Montenegro, we've been able to take a bit of a form line from the two games, uh, the two league games so far, and also European form. You can't really do that for Kosovo just purely because of the, the nature of it being so disrupted by um, COVID. But there's not really much reason to think that the um, status of things is going to change that much. Drita, uh, who won the title only on based on their head-to-head record over Gilani, uh, are more or less unchanged. Gilani themselves look a little bit more solid than last season. Uh, for them, there's not really much to change. Um, you know, when you finish equal on points equal on goal difference um, and uh, losing a title on a head-to-head record, you know there's not massive changes you need to make over the piece of 33 30, or 36 games that's going to be this season. Um, behind them, one point behind were Balkani, and they have probably had the most interesting uh, break of all. Um, that I blank, and they brought in Nazmi Gripshi, uh, who's coming in from Skenderbo in Albania, and also brought in Amen Thaki um, to bolster their defence. Uh, Gripshi is a very good 
winger and you know, he's done very well in the Albanian leagues. It's sort of, to me, it was a little bit of a surprise that he would you know make this sort of lateral move to Kosovo rather than moving up the uh, up the Balkan ladder, as I like to call it. Um, as Armen Thaki uh, adds to their defence and you know it's a, it's a really good addition. You know, it brings in what's probably going to be the league's best defensive lineup. On the negative. They've lost good attacking players to Turkey. Um, you know, you have Hoxha, uh, Jetmir Topali, and also uh, well, the ongoing saga of the move of Blend Bathtu, who uh, you know was deep in discussions with Fenerbahce, um, but appears now to uh, be moving to a, a Spore. Um We'll obviously see. How that, how that happens so there's a bit of a balance that to play there you know they are going to be a more resolute outfit but you know potentially a less uh, electric one um there's certainly no less a challenging proposition and we'll know and it's hard to think there'll be any less in in the mixer as it is uh pristina uh who were over the top four the ones a little bit back um, have had a lot of change and it's difficult at this juncture to um, be able to make a big judgment on them um, because it is very difficult to sort of get good footage of the players that they've brought in you know Kosovo uh, the of course Superliga isn't on my scout um, which um, is a great annoyance to me um, because it's one of the things I wanted to look at on there you know and there are a couple of good players um who are at smaller clubs um the the rest of the sides in the league uh were 15 or more points back from pristina in fourth it's difficult to make an argument as to why any would really be bridging that gap um you know if i was going to take a punt on any of them i would possibly say clappy um purely because i do very much like uh one of their uh, wingers Valmir Value, uh, who you know, is a very good pace and very dangerous a, a, attacking prospect. Uh, so certainly, if they come on, we may be able to see them bridge the gap somewhat. But 15 points is a big gap to bridge, and um, it, so particularly in only one season, it's sort of much like we've mentioned with um, Montenegro. There are a lot of teams with a lot of young talent, and a lot of talent people don't really know about um a lot of talent that's that's fast improving you know you look at the Kosovan international lineup um you know they are one of europe's fastest improving national teams but quite aside from that you know, the, the under 21 side is pretty darn good and uh, we could see them do bits as they say but we're going to leave it there for our season previews. I very much hope you've enjoyed our few episode long odyssey through the <laughs> trials and tribulations of some of uh, the former Yugoslavia's leagues. Um, obviously, we will be coming back to them periodically through the season, but you know those podcasts will, episodes will more be you know, we'll be doing all seven in one as opposed to doing one at a time um which i wanted to do uh, sort of half as a personal challenge and half because each league deserves it um so um we'll certainly be checking in on them periodically as we go 
through the season. Um, probably the next time that will be sort of when we get towards the end of the uh, European qualifiers. It's obviously for listeners, um, you know, it's the European competition aspect of it is something that I know a lot of people uh, are very interested in. I know we had a lot of um, listeners to the Slovenian preview, uh, courtesy of Celia drawing Dundalk in the um, in the Champions League um, and you know, getting past Dundalk in what was a relatively convincing performance on paper, one where Dundalk were fairly well prepared for them and uh, subsided due to uh, individual errors and a lack of fluency and quality when it really counted uh, when it came to it being practiced. So, um, see, as things currently stand in terms of podcast schedule, a ton of episodes will be a little bit uh, still spaced out purely because I am still in the middle of moving house and um, it's still taking up a quite inordinate amount of my time to try and sort out mortgages and uh, stuff that is far less interesting than being able to talk to you all about uh, the great football in the region. Um, So thank you for listening and I will uh, catch you next time.